think one thing that's really come out of this and has become really evident is don't rush. I think um, over time, especially myself, uh, and a lot of cooks, we rush to, to get the accolades, to, to push ourselves, to get the restaurant, to be the head chef, all those things that we aspire to. I think the, this whole pandemic has, has really emphasised to me to slow down. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huxter. Going home. In 2020, home, in inverted commas, took on a deeper meaning for most of us. A yearning to get back home, an appreciation of what we have, and a realisation of how lucky so many of us are to be down under. It also made us focus locally. How we can enhance the local surrounds and make our home, our place of residence, and the area we live in better. Colin Wood has worked in some of Australia's and the world's best restaurants and is about to head south of Perth to Margaret River to create something special at Aramea Estate. Colin, how are you going? Well, thanks, Huck. How are you? Good. I understand you're actually packing bags at the moment and... Uh, we just caught you on the hop. You're about to head south for some that's for a new adventure. Yeah, it's perfect timing, actually. Like um, we are packing our bags. It's come to the end of our time in Perth, and with the new year comes new opportunities. So we're really lucky to to get this opportunity and to to stay in in our home state of WA. Well, you had some pretty amazing experience in Australia as a chef, but you became a bit of a globetrotter and worked in some extraordinary restaurants in New York that have you know, in the top 50 in the world, but you, you came home in March. What, what was what was that period of time like? Um, it's been a really interesting time, um, to be honest with you. Like, we obviously didn't plan on this happening at all. Um, our visas had expired. Sorry, I talk about my wife as well, Andrea. Um, yeah, we were coming up to the end of our visa stint in the US and we decided that we wanted to come home. Um, and then we've pretty much been running away from coronavirus since, to be honest. Like, we left, I think, the day New York got its first case. Wow. And then we headed to Hawaii for a little relax, and it started there, and then we arrived in Australia, and it started on the East Coast, and then, yeah, we've we've been pretty lucky to be away from most of it and to land in Perth, you know, the most isolated city in the world, which is also relatively coronavirus-free, is, has been... A real godsend, but also we're just so so grateful and so lucky to, to be here, to be honest. I want to talk about your career and some of the amazing restaurants you've worked at in a little bit, but during this year, you've had a real focus on cheese. What, what brought that about? Um, it's been a real passion of mine for the last probably six years, uh, working with Andrew in Melbourne. Um, he was also, he was very, um, and he still is, very... Um, I'm not sure what the word, very excitable and very um, encouraging for his chefs to learn new skills. Mm. Um, and I was very lucky to, to do a class with him and a, a cheesemaker called Richard Thomas while working at Cumulus, and the passion just ignited from there. Um, it just gave me an opportunity to learn something from the ground up. You know, as chefs, we don't really have that opportunity. I know I've been listening to a few of your latest podcasts. I think the last one about charcuterie was pretty similar in that respect, that, you know, mm. you get to learn something from the base and create something. 
Um, so I really got involved in it, and then it allowed me opportunity to to not rest, but you know, working in kitchens can be really fast paced and stressful. So that gave me an opportunity to slow down a bit and just learn something that you know is still a relatively new craft in Australia. Um, and then it provided me lots of opportunities, not only here and with Andrew, but and and Matt and Joe Barrett out at uh, Oak Ridge, mm. but but around the world, you know, it allowed me to get a good visa to go to the US and work in in those restaurants. So I think being back in Perth has allowed me to to focus on it a bit more and make a bit more at home and learn about it and yeah, just engage with the people here who are doing, you know, starting either starting to play with it or know about it or, you know, cheesemakers and stuff in WA that um, are doing really great things. Lots of people spend their lives trying to master the culinary arts as a chef and you're straddling both worlds as well as a cheesemaker. Can you, can you tell us there's so many different cheeses? Is there particular types of cheeses that you focus on? Um, it's It's a bit like, I suppose, any sort of craft. You know, you start from the basics and then you work your way into something bigger and better um i've always had a fascination with alpine style cheeses but because they do take a lot of time a lot of space and uh, a lot of effort to make them i haven't really spent much time making them but i do enjoy learning about them eating them um and i just think they're a really fascinating cheese in terms of making them for myself i really like the fresh cheeses because um they add depth and uh, value to a, to a menu, and they're really fun to, to play with, like, like you say, being a chef and a cheesemaker, mm. um, to blend the two and, you know, make a fresh cheese and then figure out how, how we can utilise it on the menu or use it in a dish because a lot of those fresh cheeses in Australia particularly are pretty hard to get onto a menu because of the short shelf life and, you know, to get something that's that fresh and have someone try and eat it is, is pretty special. Well, when you were at Oak Ridge Winery working with Matt Stone and Joe Barrett, you established an in-house cheese and dairy program. Can you tell us a little bit about that and the challenges involved with that? Yeah, that was an amazing opportunity and experience. Um, I'd already secured a job in New York, but the visa was taking some time and I'd finished with Andrew. Um, So Matt, uh, being a good friend, called me up and said, you know, we have this opportunity we have a local dairy supplier, uh, Tyrone, from um, Yarra. I can't remember the name of the farm now. But anyway, it's some really great quality milk. And with their ethos of using local produce on their menus, they asked if I wanted to come out and show them some cheese-making techniques and you know start a little thing. So I went out, uh, I think it was at October, maybe 2016. I think I was out there for about five months because the visa took that long. But we developed a range of fresh cheeses. We started making some aged cheeses, some camemberts, some white moulds. Wow. Yeah, we really, it was a really cool opportunity for me for, for coming from such a structured environment of running a busy kitchen, you know, doing the HR, doing the costings, doing the menus, working with Andrew, working so closely with chefs. It was a really great breath of fresh air to stop and you know, try something that I was really passionate about in a in a in a way where they just let me have free reign and said, "Just go for it. Just see what's possible." What's the biggest success you've had so far in regards to cheese making? Um, I would say um, 
the Builders Arms Hotel used to do, I think they still do actually, it's a, um, a festival called Handmade. And it's a, a, it was a wine festival um, which started with Josh and uh, the Somme at the time, Campbell Burton, coming together and getting all their friends in the natural wine world around Australia, around the world, and inviting them to come and showcase their wines in the space of the Builders Arms. And mm. I can't remember what year it was. I think it was 2015 maybe. They asked if I'd like to do... Because uh, by that stage I was making cheese for Cumulus and a few of the restaurants for Andrew. And they asked if I'd like to do a cheese room. So they'd specify, like, set a certain room in the hotel f- for cheese. And I was uh, lucky enough to invite two friends, um, Jack... Holman from Yarra Valley Dairy and Stone and Crow Cheese and uh, Kim Masters from Section 28 to come over and showcase their handmade uh, artisan cheese. Anyway, previous to that, I'd never really made an aged cheese and I was lucky enough to secure some raw sheep's milk, illegally of course, um, and made a, I suppose like a Manchego style cheese. And the the man who'd set me up on this path, Richard Thomas, was there, so I rushed home and got this cheese and I cut into it for the first time and we tried it together. And it was just a really eureka moment for me that, like, like he, he was over the moon. He was just blown away by this cheese and I'd really focused and put some time and effort into this, mm. uh, making it and ageing it. And when I tried it, it was like nothing I'd ever... Obviously, wow. you, know, you can't get raw cheese here. So... I tasted that and he was just, just a look of um, pleasure on his face and the way that he was so proud of it. And it just blew me away. I was like, wow, like I could actually do something with this. And yeah, I think that's probably the, the best moment I've had in cheese. Was well, that me. happened in your time in Melbourne when you were with uh, Andrew McConnell's group and you left Perth in 2006 and started in what was a new restaurant, Cumulus Inc., and you ended up becoming the development chef many years later. What was it like working with Andrew McConnell? Um, it was it was amazing. Like like I said before, his ongoing support and encouragement of of chefs and people that work for him is second to none. I, you know, it's a pretty rare thing. I feel in in this industry where someone wants to to pump up your tires and push you forward. Mm. Um, so it was really lucky to work for Andrew for so long and have so many opportunities. Like you say, starting as, you know, a young cook and then coming up through the ranks and working with uh, another guy that you've had on this podcast, um, JP Toomey. Like, the support network that we had within the group of really um, forward-thinking, ambitious, talented, um, excitable cooks and head chefs was just something that I really appreciated and really really helped my career having that sort of support network to, to push us through because you know Cumulus is a really busy place and when I took over it was it was it was tough. Um, but I'm also quite blessed in the fact that I had previously to that when I was in Perth been a sous chef and started to manage a little bit. But when I moved to Melbourne I, I took a step back because I wanted to learn more. Um, I think that's an important thing that I've learnt throughout my career is it's not a bad thing to take a step back and mm. and learn. You know, I did the same thing when I went to New York. I'd, like you say, I'd been a development chef for Andrew, but when I got to New York, I was working with another chef in a head chef role and 
because it was obviously a huge culture shock and different style of food, palate, ingredients. So I think, yeah, having that humbleness to take a step back and, and learn something new. And, yeah, Andrew really encouraged that, I would say. Well, you just briefly mentioned New York and uh, you, you started at Flora Bar over there. Can you tell us how that came about? Yeah, uh, so a good friend of mine, Sam Lawrence, who who's eventually taken over my role now that I've left, um, was working at Estella. Um, he was a young man who started with JP at Cutler & Co. Uh, when he was fresh out of high school, young, I think 17, maybe 18. Um, and he'd worked with us, or mainly JP, at, at Cumulus and then, um, oh, sorry, Cutler, then moved to Paris and worked with another friend of ours, James Henry. And then he'd gone on to um, to work for Ignacio at Estella. So one day he just called me up and asked if I knew any chefs that were looking for work and... I'd been with Andrew for 10 years and I thought, you know what, I'd always wanted to travel and I'd been to New York, I'd been to Estella, I'd eaten there. I was just blown away by the food at Estella and the city in general um, and I thought, why not, let's take a shot. And then from there, Ignacio got in touch and we talked about how he was opening this new spot and he wanted someone to come over and help run it and then, yeah, it just went from there. Can you take us to New York and, and tell us what it was like working in Manhattan and living there, um, being part of the food industry and, you know, one of the most celebrated food cities on the planet? For sure. Um, it, it was an amazing experience, um, one that very grateful and lucky to have had. Um, yeah, when we first arrived, it was kind of challenging, I suppose, but then uh, walking into Flora Bar and just seeing how beautiful the restaurant was and, you know, how many dedicated, focused people, uh, talented people were in that building and wanting to create something special. It kind of took my, uh, kind of put my mind at ease and it was really great to be part of that. And I think, again, you know, working in a restaurant group um, allowed such a support network again to, to lean on people and to ask people for help and to understand a lot of things because it was a huge culture shock, I suppose, in terms of, like I said before, the cuisine, the way of doing things. Um, I find the ways, the way kitchens are run are pretty similar, but um, there was a few differences and, in, in, you know, obviously a lot of Spanish speaking. So that was something I had to kind of mm. grasp and learn pretty quickly. I still can't speak Spanish, which is unfortunate. One thing I do regret about the time there. But, um, yeah, there's there's a lot to take in. And like you say, it is a huge city. Um, we were lucky enough to live close to the Met Breuer where Flora Bar was. So we're living up in East Harlem. Um, and to be thrown into a – it's the Spanish, uh, Spanish Harlem. So a lot of immigrants, a lot of um, – Spanish-speaking families, food, culture, it was really loud. <laughs> you know, coming from working in Oak Ridge and you know, being in the Arrow Valley, it was like, oh, wow, th- this, is, um, this is what they all talk about. So, yeah, there was a lot of culture, a lot of parties, um, but some really interesting experiences and people that we met through our time in East Harlem. And towards the end, we moved to Brooklyn, which was a whole other experience. But I think, yeah, like you say, the, the, the food scene there is just so creative, so inspiring um, and so welcoming. You know, I found that everyone there was 
really, really supportive of, of what we were doing. And, you know, um, not only as, as a restaurant group, but individually, you know, once people started found, found out that I was making cheese at home and things like that, they, they just became really interested and, and wanted to learn and wanted to push and encourage me, which was really cool. One of the things you said a little earlier was new ingredients to deal with. Is it, was there some ingredients that um, challenged you as a chef or excited you that you hadn't used before working in New York? Um, I, f- I found the um, – obviously, Flora Bar was a, a seafood-focused restaurant, and we used to have a, a raw bar section. Um, the, the quality of the shellfish um, and raw, raw seafood was just absolutely incredible. Um, we were lucky enough to work with some really great suppliers that um, uh, sourced a lot of the stuff or farmed most of the oysters and shellfish for us as well. Mm. But, um, you know, and we also, I mean, obviously they import a lot of stuff into New York as well. So like red Spanish shrimp that we were serving raw was just incredible. Uh, the quality of the uni that we were getting, a lot of it was um, from Maine. Um, but occasionally we would get Californian uni, which was incredible as well. Um, what else? Yeah, just all the fish and seafood. I was really quite surprised, not surprised, but really quite in awe of. Um, a lot of the, the proteins and, and things are quite similar um, in the fact that uh, they are very high quality. Obviously, America, I was reading in the New York Times yesterday an article about um, dairy farming, cattle farming. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, America does mass produce a lot of things, so a lot of the ingredients we were using was on a small artisan level. Um, we got a lot of Japanese um, wow. produce as well, um, and you know, artisan soys, uh, sesame oils, all these really beautiful special products that I, I, I miss actually, and I've been trying to find anyone in Australia that that sources these things. You were very quickly promoted to culinary director overseeing three of the group's restaurants, and one of those is Stella, and then was in the top 50 in the world. How does it feel being part of a restaurant that um, has that sort of acknowledgement globally? Um, the way Ignacio runs the businesses, and I suppose the kitchens, is in a, in a humble way. Um, so it was always really exciting when, when those teams got those accolades or... or the Michelin star when Estella got it, um, I think it was well long overdue, but it does put um, a little bit of added pressure on you, but also to know that you're on the right path and everyone's trying to push towards excellence and, you know, creating something that's really special. Um, so it is nice to get those accolades and, like, those guys work really, really hard for that. And I wasn't a huge part of that, but I know that they all feel the same in the fact that it's nice to get those awards. Mm. But when you see the guests come in and you get text messages or people thanking you for those experiences, I think it just makes it all that worthwhile. As you mentioned earlier, since you returned home to Perth, you've really been focusing on cheese, but you've also been working on helping train and mentor the next generation of young chefs and restaurateurs. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, um, so when I was working for Andrew, um, we came up with a culinary sessions, I suppose, I can't remember what it was called, the Kitchen Culinary Sessions, I think it was. It was a series throughout the year, maybe eight to 12 uh, guest chefs, suppliers, um, presenters, winemakers, whoever whoever we 
found inspiration um, from. We would invite them to come in and do usually around a four to five hour class with the chefs to give them you know, an, an education and to understand something that they wouldn't normally be exposed to. And I think that really fueled my fire to, to start to help the younger generation. Mm. Like I said before, I've taken it's probably about three or four like really big steps back in my career throughout time to go back and learn, okay, I'm not on the right path, what do I need to learn? And I think Perth being so isolated, um, a lot of good chefs, a lot of good restaurateurs, a lot of good winemakers, front of house people tend to leave Perth uh, to go and, to, like I did, you know, to, to, to go and learn in Melbourne, to go and learn in Sydney, to go overseas. Mm. I think having the opportunity to be back here, um, uh, I thought it was important to, to be able to, you know, if someone reached out, to be able to spend time with them and share my experiences because I've made a lot of mistakes and when you're starting out, like, it's nice to have someone to maybe tell you, hey, try this instead of this. And since I've been back here, there's been um, a couple of guys who have international experience or been working around the world and around Australia who are doing a similar thing. So I think it's been a really, really nice time to, to, to focus on that and help help the next generation. Um, and one thing that you're doing in 2021 as well is heading south. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, you're literally about to jump in the car uh, and head to a couple of hours south to Margaret River. Can you tell us what, what you have in stall um, at Aramea Estate? Yeah, it's a, it's a really another really beautiful story actually. It's come full circle, I suppose you could say. So, the chef and part owner there, uh, Evan Hader, is a friend of mine, and um, we started actually started our apprenticeship together at the Subiaco Hotel here in wow. Perth about twenty years ago, probably a bit longer. But um, he once he left the Subiaco, he did a few things and then headed to Europe, worked. In, I think he spent about three years in Amsterdam working in Michelin's and then I'm not too sure what he's done since then but he's been back in Australia for a, a while and has been part of Aramea for the last I think seven years um, slowly building it up from what it was to what it is now it's um, uh, you have to say it Huck it's beautiful it's um, it's hard to describe it's off-grid kitchen he raises his own pigs wow. he's got his own kitchen garden um, it's obviously a vineyard. They have their own honey, the marin farm, trout farm, all these beautiful things that we all dream about as as chefs. So I'd been following his career a little bit on on social media and things like that, and he'd been doing the same. Um, and then when he saw that I'd landed in Perth, gave me a call and said, "Hey, what are you up to? Do you want to do you want to have a chat?" So the, over the last probably nine months, we've been talking back and forth and seeing what we can do. Um, obviously being so close to the land and having access to dairy. Um, he asked if I'd like to come down so we could potentially start making some cheese down there and just start, or not start, but like adding to the experience and adding to what he or has already done. Um, I think the restaurant was nominated for Best Regional Restaurant last year mm. in the Good Food Guide, so he's, he's, you know, he's very well established and already doing great things. So it's just really lucky in timing and uh, yeah timing for, for me to be here and him to ask it that that I want to come down and yeah I'm just really really lucky to to be part of it 
It does sound like a dream location and, and set up for, for a chef who really likes to be connected to uh, produce of the land. Have you, has, have you got the creative juices flowing yet and thoughts of what you might uh, cook? Yeah, um, over the last nine months, um, I've been living with my mum, luckily. Obviously, like I said, we, we, we had different plans when we arrived back from New York to what we have now. Mm. I'm sure, sure most people around the world are like that. But I was very lucky to, to land in Perth and be able to spend time with my mum after so long apart. Um, and I've just been cooking for her and my wife, experimenting, playing with food, you know, utilising the markets here, um, which I wish more people would do and start to really focus on the ingredients. Um, but, yeah, it has given me an opportunity to start playing with things. And then once we get down there, like really working with Evan... Um, and the garden and his local suppliers, fishermen, butchers, all that sort of um, things that I'm really excited about working with and, and start playing with food. Yeah, I'm really excited. There's been a few times where you've mentioned that you've stepped back a couple of steps in your career to to learn more uh, and you've got a real focus on the next generation at the moment. What, what sort of advice would you give to young people in the industry that have had a tough year in the last year, but on on how they should progress their career? I think one thing that's really come out of this and has become really evident is don't rush. I think um, over time, especially myself uh, and a lot of cooks, we rush to, to get the accolades, to, to push ourselves, to get the restaurant, to be the head chef, all those things that we aspire to. I think the this whole pandemic has, has really emphasized to me to slow down, you know, like, mm. fo- and focus. Uh, I think that's a really big thing. Um, and not worry about what other people are doing. You know, I'm very prolific on Instagram and social media, and I know that, but I also try not to let what I see on there and see other people doing affect how I um, do things. So I think it's, it is a really great tool, and I love it as well, but I think it's important to, to really you know, nut out what you want to achieve and what you want to, what your goals want to be. Well, Colin, you're an exceptional chef and um, it's fascinating to hear your story and your approach. I'm sure a lot of people will get a lot out of it and really interested to see what you do at Aramea Estate. Um, Thanks for joining us on Deep in the Weeds. Please keep in touch and uh, we'll talk again soon. Will do. Thanks very much for having me, Huck, and hopefully when the borders open up, you guys can all come over here. I'd love that. That'd be amazing. Awesome. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.